So welcome to the Do More Good podcast, season three. All good things come in threes, don't they, Kenny? Of course they do. Three musketeers, little pigs, triangles, your degree. <laughs> we should probably know what we're doing by now, right? You'd think so. There are times you have to step away from that and do the bigger, scarier, crunchier, harder work because it pays off in the end. Making sure that the senior people from that organisation get involved with the partnership. It's not scary. The worst thing that can happen is that someone can go, bloody hell, that was a bit of a cock up. Do I've had a few folk not from Scotland that have said to me, I didn't know you could do that with bagpipes. <laughs> I think the, the message is do more good. Yeah! Here we are, James. Episode number 32 of the Do More Good podcast. How are you doing? Kenneth, I'm good. We are basking in a, um, a weekend of sporting success. So I'm fully jumping on the bandwagon of that. Uh, great Wimbledon this weekend. The cricket. I'm suddenly become a cricket fan. Oh my God, wasn't it amazing? Yeah. It, it was, was absolutely it, it brilliant. It reminds me of 2003 when we were all massive rugby fans. <laughs> <laughs> Very, very true. Yes. It was wonderful. It's good. The sun's come out. It was. And everyone's in a positive mood, right? And we're we're sat in... uh, Where where are we? We're in London Bridge Station here. What are we doing here? We're going to have to be honest and say that we've recorded our guests previously to this meeting. An exceptional guest that we've got coming up for you. But our guest isn't the only big catch that we've caught recently. You've been been fishing, haven't you? (laughs) Oh, I didn't didn't think we were going to talk about that. Yes, yes. I went fishing at the weekend. Took out my couple of rods. And took my little boy, who's been dying to go fishing for probably the last two or three months after he saw one of his friends had gone fishing. Said, Daddy, 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 can we go fishing? I was like, yes, come on then, son. So went up there, put the rod in, and we, we caught... Catching him? Yeah, what did you yeah, catch? we caught some monsters, mate. I think that's nice. what you'd call them, monsters. Yeah. Uh, but no, they were only tiddlers. Yeah. It was well, good fun, fun, though. Good, good fun. fun. What have you been up to? Life in the bus lane, mate. Not a lot, you know, just work it, working hard. Out on the bike? Out on the bike a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been getting better at that. I saw you went out on the bike at the weekend, and your mate bought a bunch of flowers on the he way. He did. Home. What a gent! Hey. What a gentleman, gentleman Gavin. Yeah, what's all that so about? We stopped off at the, pe- <laughs> the petrol station. It's got to be said. <laughs> and Marks and Spencer's petrol station, but a petrol station nonetheless. Well, and bought his bought his wife some flowers on the way home. South yeah, London put me to shame. South London. So, should we jump into this week's guest? So here we are, guys. Here's a recording that we did last week. Seamless intro into your introduction. Yeah, Love Joe it. Freeman. Here we go. Nice one. We are super excited to welcome this week's guest to the Do More Good podcast. After joining the charity sector in 2004 with Diabetes UK, our guest this week made his first move into a digital role in February 2010. After being promoted to digital engagement manager in 2012, he then went on to join the mighty Sue Ryder and manage their incredible social media presence in 2013, for again moving through the ranks to take on a digital leadership role. Then, in January 2017, he moved to join Breast Cancer Now, where he was the assistant director of digital engagement. Then in April 2019, Breast Cancer Now and Breast Cancer Care merged, and he took on his fancy new role as assistant director of digital integration. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the internet's Joe Freeman. Hello. Thank you very much for the lovely intro. There we go. It's all your own words. <laughs> thanks for joining us, Joe. No so worries, thanks. We would like to start at the beginning of your career, as we do with all our guests. What's the backstory on getting into the sector? It was 
luck, really, I think. I had some friends, uh, believe it or not, and a girlfriend at the time, um, and they all finished university and and decided to move to London and uh, suggested that I go with them. My mother says that she told me to leave the house, um, so I was about 22, 23, but I very much think it was the other way around, and I chose to leave. But basically, (laughs) I moved, had no job, went to a job agency, as you do, and got offered a three-month contract at Diabetes UK in their supporter services team. So I was answering phones, talking to supporters, taking donations, doing database, database integration stuff. Um, and that was that was it. So you were right on the front line. I was on the front line. Right. So as, in hindsight, a really good place to start, actually. And I think has put me on a good path for what I've gone on to do, which we'll probably come on to in a little bit, I think. But that got extended to a six-month contract. Then it got made permanent. Uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. You're still hanging around. And I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, still here 14, 15 years later. Yeah. Did you have any other dreams as a youngster of uh, getting in a, a spaceman or a... A vet. A, a vet? Actually, I wanted uh, to be a vet. Uh, I had a hamster once. <laughs> Sounds like there's a story there. That, that's it. That was there's it? Okay. Um, what did you want to do? Uh, uh, I quite like the idea of a doctor. <laughs> um, <laughs> At one point. <laughs> okay, yeah. But Dr. Maybe Kenneth. That, that would have been uh, it. And then, yeah, maybe the C in biology didn't really help my <laughs> case on that one. But, uh, right. yeah. Okay. What about you, James? What did you want to be? I, um, well, we've come full circle. Podcast host. Well, I always he's, doing, he's not very good at that. <laughs> I always wanted to be a journalist when I was younger. Did you? Kid, yeah, I had, a, I had a newspaper at my primary school called James's Jolly Newspaper. Um, and you could <laughs> hand it out and it got printed on yellow paper, which made it cool because it was like the FT and it was printed on yellow. And then it got totally shut down. Uh, by the teachers because I was just essentially uh, spreading malicious gossip around the <laughs> playground. Uh, do copies exist? Uh, do copies do exist, including the, the one that really shut me down. It was like the Piers Morgan moment where it was um, Joanne's mum is 36 was the headline and Joanne's mum did not appreciate that. Anyway, Joe, going back to you and your story <laughs> after James's uh, unexpected admissions of his, his newspaper days. So far, yeah, for fast forwarding from primary school up to um, university. Um, so you were a graduate you're coming into the sector in the early noughties what were some of the challenges or barriers that that the sector was facing then or or maybe you personally were i had a lot of challenges i didn't really know what i what i wanted to do i didn't actually finish university i had two two attempts uh, to finish but didn't um and so all my friends had finished had their degrees were moving to london so i went with them um and luckily found a job quite quickly so i didn't I've been listening to other episodes, Kenneth, and I didn't even have a 2 2 to fall back on, which is, uh, <laughs> which is a big shame. So well yes. done. Yeah. Well done on well, that. There's a, there's Thanks a campaign for that. at the moment. Sorry to interject again, but there's a campaign at the moment about um, why don't we take the, the requirement for a degree off job descriptions. I don't have a degree. I totally don't agree. tell anyone. I don't have one. Yeah, um, I, I don't think it's necessary. I would much rather someone have the experience and could demonstrate that in a kind of interview setting. So, I, yeah, I don't think it's that important. Yeah. I would say that. But all the challenges at the time, I think, around career changes from kind of supporter services to membership marketing to legacy fundraising and then to digital there it was it took me a long time to work out what I wanted to do so it's very much kind of enjoying the being in the sector and enjoying the jobs but they weren't really what my heart was set on really mm. I think and then the internet kind of took off social media became a thing and it kind of went from there really what did you what did you enjoy or what did you take from those jobs in the in the early stages I mean supporter care is really at the the coal face of of many large charities I've had right? a lot of t- kind of temping jobs after not finishing uni um at mm. yellow pages weirdly and and so i'd had about a year or so experience of being on the phone and talking to people right, and i was okay. quite shy so it was quite a push for me to do that and that kind of confrontation with people on occasions and talking and being empathetic and sympathetic to needs was was a really good grounding for then 
understanding fundraising, I think, mm-hmm. and understanding the, what motivates donors and supporters. But then certainly in the digital perspective, I can look back at the supporter care role now and think about in digital how the users' needs are always first and mm-hmm. having that closeness to users um, and the people who you're ultimately helping and supporting is, is really sensible, I think. And so as a grounding, it's been surprisingly relevant actually yeah and being pre-internet as it was maybe before it had really taken off everything (laughs) kind of came through but everything was coming through the phone or it was it was post or it was yeah we'd have a few emails were you would have a few to work through each day but it was phone calls uh, and yeah post a lot of post typing out letters and then popping it in the post a lot of handwritten letters yeah yeah and then you quite quickly found your specialism in digital i did um and what, what, what year was this then that kind of you, you remember being the first time you moved I into a I think it was 2010. 2010, maybe. okay. It might have been a bit later. And just to put Someone that into context, 2010. We it might have been we're, a bit earlier. We're post-iPhone then, right? iPhones come out? Yeah. iPhone was 2007. Uh, yeah. 2007. So yeah. Facebook, it was kind of, it was Face- probably 2008-ish when, when Twitter and Facebook were kind of Start taking of off. Getting charities taking were off. like, okay, this is a thing now. Yeah. Um, and we need someone who knows what they're doing, and apparently me. So there was a there was a team when you took your first role. So there was, was a digital it? team. Okay. Yep. So I was a legacy fundraiser, uh-huh. and I think that I probably was seen too much seemed to be too much on Facebook in the office, and so someone <laughs> thought, "Hang on a minute, this um, guy knows what he's doing." I wanted to. I wanted that next step. I was. I didn't want to be a legacy fundraiser forever. Uh-huh. It was a great job, really great experience, but it wasn't really doing it for me. And because I spent a lot of time online, I used Flickr quite a lot, and so I had this kind of experience of com- online communities yeah. and how that should work. And someone, in their infinite wisdom, thought that I might be quite good at this role. I kind of offered some support to the digital team on how to use Flickr because they wanted to start using it for photo storage and stuff. So I kind of gave some some free advice, I guess, to colleagues, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of just went from there really what did the digital team look like at that stage like when you were joining it did they were they known as the experts can you remember back at that point was there a digital team so there was there was a head of digital very nice lady called amanda nalen who pinched me from the fundraising side of the world into digital never forgiven you it's all her fault (laughs) i am here and talking about all this um but she's but she's been excellent and like a real kind of advocate for me and supportive through that whole through my career so far but i think it was it wasn't it was probably a traditional digital team. So there was social media was in there. There was uh, an email marketer. There was a developer. And there were some people who did the website and the content. Mm-hmm. And then we worked with an agency um, to do the kind of the coding and the more complicated stuff behind the scenes on the website. So um, things have moved on. Things have also stayed the same in a lot of places. And I think yeah. the, the makeup of that digital team and how it integrates within charity is varies hugely. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Um, and it should be about what kind of works for you. But it's interesting to see how these teams iteratively develop over over time based on needs. Yeah, well, I think, um, was it Dina was talking about how she started the first digital team in the charity sector? I think she laid claim to that. Mm. Um, that you were there at the genesis of digital teams within charities. Yeah. Well, that's um, exciting. And I think just my, my out-of-work experience helped. I think be very difficult to go into a digital role like that this day and age without the ex- without actual experience or probably qualifications okay. when I've hired people to do social media or other digital jobs inundated applications yes and I just don't think that was that was the case back then it was new if social media was new yeah no one really no one was knew what expert. they were doing yeah no and some don't still so mm. So just that's an interesting point. So when you get an application now through for a social media officer or social media exec, whichever it might be in your organisation, you're inundated in, in London for, for those jobs? I've 
had 80 plus applications for um, for a social media officer role in really? the past. Yep. Varying levels of quality, it must mm. be said. Mm. But um, but yeah, people want in. They recognise it as a thing. I suppose, I suppose the kids these days spending so much time on social media they're that on they, Facebook, they they're yeah. all on that Facebook. <laughs> yeah. They think they can they can order it. But Joe, what do you look for in someone when you're reviewing those types of applications and someone to come in and be a social media? I think it's these days? Um, it's got to be that they they get it, they understand it, they know that it's about engagement and about talking to people, mm. um, and that it's a, a reputational thing as well, and that you you're responsible for communicating with thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So you have to kind of have this passion for it and to really understand it. And for me, that's the main thing. So the last social media person I hired, she was actually a midwife in a previous life. And she had built up a a kind of following on Instagram about 20 odd, 24, 25,000 people. So she demonstrated she got it. She understood it. She did it. And she did a little bit of kind of consultancy around some social media stuff, some brands and was a midwife, which was great for when there are pregnant people in your team. But she really and she got it, and she she nailed the interview just through her passion, her understanding, and right. for me that that tipped her tipped her over the edge in terms of getting that job. And then she pre- went on to perform amazingly well for us, which mm. is great. So we talked earlier about kind of education and those qualifications. I think qualifications are important. Education for me, not so much. Mm. But for a digital perspective, you need to understand people and communication. I think for me, and so that's. That's a big bonus for me, dependent on the role, of course. Yeah, James would struggle if he went for a social media job these days. I mean, with his about, what, how many followers you got now? About 32? Uh, yeah, yeah. 30, 30, 33, I think now. He's, he's, yeah. he's still yeah. the guy who but has two. I, I have a couple of pints <laughs> and, then I, and then I generally am all over social media and then I wake up in the morning and I have to delete it all. Yeah, but which, which account? You've got like three different accounts. Wow. Haven't you got one got for like after six o'clock, one for like right, yeah. between nine and five, and then one for maybe late night? It should be rules like that. <laughs> a confusing yeah. personal brand. Yeah, yes. basically. Yeah. Yeah. Just confusing in general. <laughs> Rather annoyingly, because uh, obviously we've worked together a few years ago, um, you've gone on to become a digital specialist. You're a bit of an influencer in the sector. <laughs> you know, there are kids that come up to me and say, have you ever met Joe Freeman? And I say, yes, yes, I have. Thanks um, very much. <laughs> are there any... Um, you're obviously exposed to, to quite a lot and you, and you, and you are very well read in the sector and you, and you know your stuff. Are there, are there challenges that you see when it comes to digital that have been around since you first started? Since yeah, I think I think leadership is still a, is a challenge still, and people kind of under people are within senior leadership positions understanding, really understanding digital and what it is, and having the competence to own it a bit more. I think so. For me, that doesn't really happen, and I think sort of over the last ten years or so, there have been huge leaps in technology. So you mentioned the iPhone. That's that's a bit more than than kind of ten years, but. Mm things have changed that's in people's pockets the, the reach of twitter and facebook and how that's developed that technology has come along so quickly but i think we haven't had that same kind of equivalent leap in knowledge of how to actually use these things properly effectively as a, as a charity sector to make the most of it i think so there's def- we're definitely kind of playing catch up with that and i think that probably has a lot to do with leadership there's no one really in these kind of senior leadership roles at charities who come from a digital background so a lot of digital teams are in comms departments which mm. kind of makes sense i get mm. that but no comms directors come from digital they'll be from pr or from campaigning or brand if you're lucky but no one from digital so i think my my thing that i'm quite passionate about is looking to work out what to do next is 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 it relevant to go in try and go for these more senior positions with that digital background mm. using all the kind of general comms stuff in experience that i've picked up over the last three or four years and really making a push to to drive better leadership better digital leadership within a charity 
I like what you said there just about, about owning it, and I think that's kind of a big part, isn't it? It's like people don't want to take responsibility for something that they don't understand, and so therefore you look at, okay, how do we make them understand it, and what are uh, the leaders in the sector doing to upskill themselves to be aware? And it seems to become that they're quite scared, aren't they? They're scared of this kind of thing that they believe is a whole big unknown world of digital, when actually... It seems you can break digital down. It's pretty simple. It's not as is it a, is it a generational thing? Are we kind of is there a generation that's growing up now that's where digital is part of their working lives, their social I lives? I suppose if you think I'm I'm thirty thirty seven and I was started in digital and charity when social media was becoming a thing. Mm. I guess so. If you think you're if someone ten, fifteen, twenty years older, they've had to learn this and yeah. adopt these kind of new ways of working. So it's, un- it's totally understandable. Mm. But I think people do need to start to own it i think there's sometimes i don't think digital is a is really should be that techie i think digital is about people and communication and how to talk about things in the right way and get messages across to, to enable charities to support more people there's obviously the technical side of it but i think from a digital leadership point of view you don't need that technical knowledge in my mm. opinion i don't have a massive technical mind at mm. all i get it i understand it i can talk about it mm. i can translate complicated do you, can you read an emoji yeah i speak in emojis sometimes <laughs> um apparently um but yeah but so i know but i know how to translate that i get it i understand yeah. it i know what how to talk to the people in it and i know how to talk to the fundraisers and so that ability to to translate quite complicated digital stuff is really important but it's mm. digital is about culture and people and ways of working more, I think, than just having a fancy, sexy website or, heaven forbid, an app. And is there, are there any examples in kind of true, I wish I had thought of that style of, of digital change or digital being managed or implemented successfully, probably over your career or maybe that you've seen in other, other spaces where you've thought, wow, that's, that's, that's what our sector needs, that's what my charity needs, or, I don't know, great examples that you've seen? Yeah, without... Well, actually, blowing my own trumpet. Uh, when I went to Sue Rider, we launched the online commu- their online community, which mm. was to provide support for through bereavement. So when people die, they can go on this forum, they can talk to others, they can share their feelings and thoughts and talk more about grief and, and their feelings around that. And um, that project was obviously extremely well managed and run. We still talk about it. It's impeccable, I so. <laughs> but it, But it, what made that work is there was an idea, and so we researched it. We looked as, to, as if to see if there was actually a need for this thing. Whereas what happens in some places is that people will just have an idea and think, great, that's awesome, we'll do that, we'll have an app, because everyone loves apps, mm. but without the thought behind it. And so at Sue Rider, we did a lot of that research and spoke to people about what they needed and spoke to the clinical teams and the bereavement counsellors and really made this fantastically useful product. And it wasn't particularly innovative, really. Mm. It's a forum, essentially, mm. and ev- mm. they've been around for years. But it was innovative, innov- innovative for the charity because they'd never offered this kind of service before. And it took off because it was so well planned the internal engagement was done so well and it was and correct me i'm probably james is kind of there still and um and would have seen me working on all of this stuff but it it feels to me like i saw was you on facebook (laughs) (laughs) some things don't change but yeah but it took off and and that was i'm I'm super proud of that and i've I've seen some recent examples from or a recent example from samaritans actually Mm. so this last week or so they took their first kind of call over a web chat, which yes. again, web chats, that's nothing new. But they have been taking their time to work out how to do this properly. Yeah. Um, and they're piloting it and iteratively developing it to become a thing because that's how people engage. But yeah. they're doing it properly. So you might think that, well, you could just buy an out of the box web chat service and go nuts. But they've thought about the safeguarding and they've thought about the users and the people and what they want and how best to 
take care of them. Mm. And they're slowly launching that, and they'll, it'll change, and they'll develop it, but they'll be constantly learning about what works with the user. And I think that, for me, is a really interesting innovative use of that for that organization and it, it works for the organization as well going back to that the um the online community work that you did it broke us out from physical locations so as a product manager that gave me a completely new audience so outside of the catchment areas of our hospices what you gave me was a was a, a massive gift of, of, of becoming a national or more of a national charity than we already yeah, were you can re- it enables you to reach more people so it's certainly for the likes of sue rider where you have physical locations your reach is always going to be limited yeah um but there are expertise that will benefit so many more people. So um, that works quite well. And so, and I think service design in general and how digital can deliver services is, is probably the next big focus for charities, I think, in terms of how they can better demonstrate impact through digital. So the Samaritans is an excellent example. Yeah. And I'm sure there's, there's a myriad of others. Yeah. yeah. No, I was at a presentation the other day and the WWF were talking about how, um, how they've embraced chat and how, and how brilliant that has been for the organisation and how well that's worked. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. So I'd like to just talk briefly, Joe, about kind of recruitment of digital skills into the sector. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but what skills and experience are you looking for really when you're recruiting into your teams in the past? I mean, you touched on someone for who you know gave the Instagram example of the, the midwife, but is there anything else other than kind of living it and breathing it? Is there anything else that kind of comes across from your experience that would that you really look for when you're thinking about someone for a digital team? You've got to be up for collaborating. So we talk in the sector a lot about um, everyone works in silos. Yeah. Um, and that can't happen. So a digital person, I think, needs to be sociable enough to get out and want to know about what other people are doing mm. so they can help and support them to deliver what deliver their projects, I think. So I'm quite an advocate of making team having a, the objectives of my team to mirror the ones of the teams that we work with and support. So if fundraising have a target to sign up X thousand people to an event, for example, mm. we as a digital team should share that objective because we will support them to effectively reach their targets. Um, and I think that kind of collaboration for me is really important. So someone who is is extremely collaborative. Uh, for me, it has to is is a must. I think for digital, that's really interesting, actually, because yeah, it, it, that that completely makes sense when I think about it. In reality, is that you don't want your digital team, who can potentially sometimes be seen as the the, techni- the more technical types within the organisation, sitting there at their computers and not talking to anybody. If digital is going to be the new way of working, which it, it is in a lot of organisations now, it's not being as widely rolled out as maybe others would like to see. You need those people to be going out and be advocates for digital it's all about the users and so and if you can't involve others in what you're doing and, yes. help, and the and people within a charity who have digital skills everyone even james has digital skills one he, digital skill but he uses you both of you would use you have a phone you read mm. emails you yeah. have habits and all of those things are really valuable so we've run um we have a fundraising campaign at, at breast cancer now in the past and we invited loads of fundraising teams and people different people from across the organization to come to like a workshop where we ask them questions about how they how they follow do they follow influencers mm. and it was all it was kind of around this for a fashiony thing and um and so what do you like about this and what don't you like and it really helped us nail down the kind of context of them what we wanted to do so collab- that collaboration piece for me is vital and someone who can recognize that others will add value to a digital project so mm. there's just so much knowledge of data and audiences that sit in other teams that will enhance a digital project mm. and 
and so that will only come to the fore if some if you've got someone running a digital project who gets that and recognizes other people's skills and can unite that together to deliver something pretty good the other thing i think that we need as a sector we need to think more about is diversity in general yeah and i've been thinking a lot about this recently and i think this probably would need its own podcast mm-hmm. but the sector needs to be certainly more diverse from in all aspects i think and certainly in digital i think we need that as well and just to be a bit more representative of the country and the that we that we live in and the people that we all strive to support i think would add huge benefits and from a user experience point of view getting a broad range of that kind of of how people use tech and what different groups of audiences need is is really important as we go forward so you've talked a little bit about what you what you were after if there are people out there who are thinking that they quite fancy a role in this fancy digital world are there suggestions that you've got for them around how maybe they prep themselves and present themselves to someone like, you know like a key power broker like yourself in the in the sector <laughs> thanks james he's good at this flattery thing, yeah isn't this it? is great and making me feel um pretty good right now <laughs> i think showing an interest i think using channels yourself so growing your 33 followers on your twitter account and and working <laughs> on that is Will really you please follow me joe come yeah. on it's a good content <laughs> it's been like four years now and it's not going to happen <laughs> having a having a presence there and understanding so there's a lot of talk about social media as, as digital but that's only a part of it but i think it helps you learn a lot so you pick up so much stuff so your, your personal brand and your networking and it's it can be quite difficult to switch off at times because there's so much going on that mm. you leading a digital team you feel that you need to know um, mm. and you want to be you know the latest news and the latest trends and developments to iteratively improve always what you're doing so i think having that presence online is probably quite important um i've have said once that i was suspicious of people who work in digital who don't use twitter because it's been such pivotal tool for me to use on so many levels but kind of i don't think that's probably the same now for me given the ridiculous challenges that twitter presents presents for a lot of people yeah but having an opinion is valid i mentioned just now about people knowing their audiences and knowing the data from so take fundraising teams they know their audience they'll know kind of what turns them on and what works for them and um where there are opportunities so listening to people Mm. um and sharing those opinions and, and being in, having showing an interest in it all for me is really important. And to believe in yourself because I've, t- I've talked about collaboration and digital only works well when you collaborate. And I don't know of a digital team who would turn someone away who came to you with an idea or said, I've noticed this is happening with our supporters. Uh, what do you think? Is there mm. anything that we can do? And the answer might be no or the mm. answer might be actually that's amazing or we're doing this. Um, why don't you feed into it for us? That would be great. So I've run some meetings in my, my old team at Breast Cancer Now where we used TV and just put talked about the monthly stats and had Google Analytics up. And I had like three or four emails after that meeting just saying, well, that looks quite interesting, Joe. What's that all about? And I was like, oh, just having a team meeting is good. Just talking about what's working and what's not. And then people just suddenly became very interested in some really geeky analytics data, mm. which was great. So I think there's also a lot to do with being visible with digital within a charity as well and if you are wanting to get into a digital team, be a bit vocal about that and talk to people, I think, and, and where show does the, interest. Where does the boundaries lie for, for digital for you, Joe? I mean, because I can see you sitting here, you know, enjoying hopefully a beer in five, ten years' time and almost we're not talking about digital. I mean, I still remember the days and maybe being a similar age to, to yourselves. I remember, I think I spoke about this on the podcast before, I remember being featured in New Media Age. Every hey, bloody time. New Media Age, in. James. I've worked in a new media team. He's got it with him. He's there in the frame. Exactly, exactly. There was yeah. a point when there was new media teams, you know, and this whole thing that we called 
long before your time, my son. Uh, <laughs> this whole thing we call digital was new media. But but yeah, going back to my question. So for you, Joe, where does the where does the boundaries lie, or is there even boundaries about what digital is? There are there are boundaries. I had an interview recently, and um, this was a very similar to a question with the interview in the interview, in which I. Um, struggled with because was the interview with new media age <laughs> magazine <laughs> yes they are, they're about to launch their first website in, uh, in 2019 um, but it but it's true it's tricky i think so what i was questioned around was um so if you if you as a digital team own a product but you're actually delivering that product to support another team and they have ideas and objectives how who does own it who yes. makes the calls who okay. makes the decisions and that in it, i struggled with answering the question even though i do it every day but it, it is difficult, and I think this is where a lot of charities, where you have a, a digital team, really struggle with that kind of integration and, and collaboration piece, I think. So it's not an easy answer. Mm. There's a lot of there's an argument that, and it's happening in some charities, where the digital team kind of devolves a little bit, and so you might have a core, slightly techie side of team, side of digital, somewhere, but then content will go out somewhere else, and marketing will go out somewhere else. Mm. And, that, and it all it goes into other people's roles mm. and I think there's a lot to be said for that but again it depends on the organisation the challenges they face and what, what it is they're trying to do yeah I almost like the fact of always kind of having a dig- you should almost have a digital representative in every project like no matter what it is across the organisation and I and just in my experience, some of the projects that have been best delivered is where you bring a cross-functional team together. You've got an expert from comms, an expert from digital, an expert from, uh, you know, data, whatever it might be, and bringing them all together. And then everybody owning the, the, the shared goal 100%. and all delivery. I was money. at a roundtable the other day, a kind of digital-focused f- roundtable the other day, <coughs> and one of their biggest gripes was being involved late on. Really? So suddenly there was an idea that had grown and was now, a, you know, we're going to release this in two weeks. We'd probably better tell... The digital so this is still happen. a challenge. So I, yeah. I'm on the steering group for Charity Comms Heads of Digital um, sessions, and every time we meet, that comes up with digital teams just involved too late. The, you're missing huge opportunities, I yeah, think, yeah, by yeah. bringing a team in. We're, like, it's 2019. You can't run a, a big project that loads of people are working in and then think, oh, actually... We should tell the digital team. It probably needs just a page on the website and someone to write a couple of tweets and then we'll be fine. It's all right. But what about the opportun- the bigger opportunities for engagement? What about your brand reputation? What about every- the tracking? How are you going to know this is even bloody working? Yes. Um, so there's so much. And that is, is absolutely how it should work. It mm. should, there should be a project team with those representatives from mm. all those important departments. Mm. There's an argument to say that digital technology and data should be a, a team. So mm-hmm. versus arthritis have that. They have a director of digital data and technology, which I think makes an awful lot of sense. Yeah. And I, I could see a lot more charities going down that route. But again, it's got to be right for what's for your charity and what your own challenges are. And mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of difficulty comes with digital is I don't think people really have cracked that yet. They don't quite know where it should fit. And there's a lot of schools, schools of thought around different models. Of You can have a hub and spoke model in your organization or you can position your digital team as an agency and that other teams can be clients and mm. having digital experts and champions embedded in teams across the organization, all of which work amazingly well in individual places if the culture is set up to kind of adapt to that and to work. Mm. Otherwise, you're just trying to flog a dead horse. Mm. Uh, can I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here because I know this was one that wasn't one of the questions, but a thought that's been kind of going around in my head at the moment is our obsession society's obsession with social media 
and the fact that there's so much dialogue going on about how we're all just fully immersed in it, how it's not good for our mental health, how you know it's 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 making us almost less human in a way because our interactions physically and talking to people are less and less. How do you see, Joe, from your experience of watching, you know, social and, and digital kind of grow up? And again, I, I apologise for asking this question. How do you see it going in the future? I mean, do you have any thoughts on where you can see social media going? Or well, like Bertie saying Facebook will be dead in. Well, exa- the countdown is on. Perhaps. Bertie said this six months ago. Perhaps, perhaps it's yeah, that. He is perhaps genius. Months. Perhaps, um, it's, perhaps it's that. Where's it going? I don't think it's going anywhere for the time being. Mm. Um, I don't think charities will abandon these platforms the, the, mm. there's too much opportunity mm. i think you can still you'll still reach tens hundreds of thousands of people through your facebook page yeah um, if it's done well the donation function on facebook some charities are absolutely raking in the money um so they're which is great because in the past it's been very difficult to kind of get an roi on your so on your tweets or, yes. your, or your facebook yeah, yeah. but now that facebook has got this donate function um, especially with kind of birthday fundraisers, that is now a thing, and charities are making millions off the back of it. Um, and we still see—I've still seen campaign success. So if you can really get people turned on and excited about a cause they feel strongly with, they will sign your petition if it's through Facebook. And the kind of virality of that content is, is still a thing. Mm. So there's a lot of questions going around with some kind of leadership across the sector, and that ethically, should we be still using platforms like Facebook when mm. there are so many? Concerns around linked to what you said and to mm. data mm. Um, and privacy, and I think that's probably more poignant for particular organisations. Um, but on the whole, I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I think we will, we, whether we'll have social media managers in three or four years' time, maybe mm. not. That might progress more into <coughs> reputation management, content teams, engagement teams, rather mm. than purely someone doing social. Perhaps I don't know. So th- I think how we manage it will change yes but the, I, they'll still be there yeah well, certainly you, you've worked with me joe you know that i just it, we tend to just do what we want um, but we certainly manage our own social social feeds and our own channels and that's within our team now that we just we, we just do that i can't that, believe that's happened <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't happen under your watch no <laughs> no james every morning when i come into the office no james not today <laughs> now but, look what happened just just going back to your point in terms of the in, in terms of the future i for, for me, I think it's becoming like, as you say, it's always. I can't see it going anywhere. I think it's always going to be around because it's it's the mode that we connect with other people and whether they are donors, friends, family, whatever it is. However, I think the data and the privacy thing, quite rightly, that you highlight is going to become the more pressing issue. And actually, it makes me think of, a, I don't know if you remember a social media platform that came out probably seven, eight, nine years ago called Path. Did you ever come across this? Yeah, yeah. So this was spun out from a guy who was at Facebook, one of the kind of early early, early people into Facebook, grew out this social media platform where you could only have like, I think it was restricted to 200 connections and that was it. And so it was all about making your social network was only about those people that you really valued. Well, the thing is that you can, you can only have 150 odd actual proper personal connections, right? Exactly. And yeah. it was kind of trying to replicate it by that. So that kind of model as we go forward, I can see people will be more selective about who, you know i don't want to get i don't want my content being accessed to trolls or whatever you know i don't want people commenting on any tweet i put out maybe it'll get a bit more locked down who knows i, I think how people use so how people individuals and charities use these channels will will change they'll mm. still exist but how we use them will differ so i think the messaging is a massive opportunity for charities that i don't think any many are really tapping into so whatsapp 
mm. um, and Facebook Messenger, for example, huge user base. Slightly muddied by GDPR concerns, I think, and messaging and mobile numbers, but for charities. Um, but social media use, looking at my own personal use and anecdotal feedback from from kind of supporters that I've heard is people will share stuff to a WhatsApp group or three or four WhatsApp groups. They won't post an update on Facebook anymore. They will share it to a closed, close group of friends. So it's this one-to-few methods of communication rather than one-to-many. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think charities need to absolutely start to think about how they can harness that mm-hmm. to have greater success, I think. It's a, it's a massive opportunity yeah. that no one is quite... I've not seen anyone who's cracked that yet. Interesting. Well, we, s- we did read your latest blog post on LinkedIn, Joe. Um, we are following you on there, or we are connected, and about the fact that your current contract obviously ends at the end of the year, and you're thinking about what the future might hold, which was, it was a, an insightful piece, actually. It was, it was interesting just to see that. It was quite honest of you, and you said, look, I'm up for coffees with people. And Can you see yourself at another large charity, or do you think you'll be looking to do more good in, in, in other ways? What, what's the future hold for Joe Freeman? Well, right now, I've got to make a decision right now. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've been doing digital for a long time and I've brought up a network of people and met some amazing friends. I call them friends, internet friends, yeah, but yeah. who I've met in real life and um, who've been incredibly supportive through all of this. And I, so I think it was quite, and I've helped a lot of people from charities kind of find their way a little bit and give a lot of advice and kind of consultation to people if they want it. I've done that a lot over the years, and I think having my role end in September later this year is kind of given me a bit of time to reflect. So I've had six months. I've got six months halfway through that. So it's the first three months to kind of work out what it is that I want to do, and then the second three months to probably actually do it. So I've met, 30, I've got a list of thirty odd people to meet as a result of that blog post, which is great. And I've met a few, and I will continue to meet those lovely people. But I, I'm, st- I think I'm still a bit confused as to what it is I want to do. I think. I am passionate about helping a charity or helping the sector improve in digital, but whether that is at a large charity, potentially, a smaller mm. charity in a more senior role, mm. absolutely. Mm. Um, an agency, leave the sector entirely to get some experience before coming back, I think. I'm a great believer in having some values to, that you should believe in and finding a role that matches those values for me is really important. So I have two kids and that's a big part of my life, so I want that flexibility of a role so is an agency the right thing to give me that flexibility i i don't know could be in the right in the right place totally but i, I think i'm still kind of working out i've had i've had an interview i've got a few more irons in the fire as people keep telling me um mm-hmm. and kind of through the what i wrote and the networks i've got people are sending me jobs which yeah, is fantastic yeah, yeah. which is great so i'm always spoiled for choice i um, mean there can't be many people in your situation with your having spoiled for choice is wrong you can yeah, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> cut that bit out. Spoiled for choice. <laughs> we'll edit that bit. Thanks. Um, there can't be um, can't be many people in 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 your position with with the experience that you've got as we've discussed coming up through kind of you know the start of digital almost in the in the charity sector and as you say that kind of leadership point. So I'm, I'm sure there must be plenty of opportunities. I think so. I'm 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 very passionate about it. I believe quite strongly in in leadership and um and bringing people together but also building a team around you who are really truly very good at what they do mm. and letting them thrive at that mm. and c- then kind of just doing the strategic piece and knitting it all together and making sure mm. that everything is all the box all the right boxes are ticked mm. but really having a team who who can thrive and be the experts that they want to be um, yeah. and really and develop them into doing bigger and better and greater things i think mm. and I th- as a leader i think that is 
that is my job to do. So that. what is? Come on, Joe. I'm going to put you on the spot now. What again. is that, Joe? Uh, again, I've done that twice now. I'm sorry, James. Um, what is that one job? You get an email tomorrow and it lands in your inbox. What's that job that you go? Wow, that's the perfect one for me. I think. Or are you still figuring that out? I'm, I think I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. I, I went through a phase of a couple of weeks ago of wanting to be a director of communications because that is where, on the whole, I maybe is where digital team sits. Yes, and I can do digital. I have had PR experience, and now I'm just kind of pitching my my wares to everyone. But I've got the the digital experience. I've got covers PR, and it covers marketing, it covers brand, and so I think a director of comms role where you are then a senior leader with that digital background yeah. and experience of how the rest of it should work and to the ability to knit that together I think for me is is yeah it's prob- would probably right. be the dream job it I think. makes sense but at your stage in your career now and you touched on this in your blog post actually you're moving out of out of the, the, the technical side of things and more into bringing people with you inspiring people empowering people allowing them to be brilliant at what they do that goes across all sorts of leadership roles. Uh, sure, I'll be a chief exec. That should have been my answer. I want to be a <laughs> maybe, chief exec. Maybe, but it does. Uh, it does, and, and it they're. I guess they're probably co- common traits of a good leader. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, which is probably why that. I think that kind of grounding from a digital and user experience and people and service delivery and whatever else, all going back to being a being on the phones at Diabetes UK and actually speaking to people day in day out is, is so important and that so that's a good grounding and then so it all kind of maybe works I don't know I mean mm. I'm, I will I, I hope to find the right thing I think it should be well if all that fine. goes wrong you could become a, a midwife Instagram influencer <laughs> that's be the dream maybe I'll read I could just retrain as a midwife yeah it would be a great job it'd be a lovely circle for yeah. you know, things to have gone in that would be nice well Joe yeah. I'm sure I'd, you know I trust you Joe I I, I, I I think what's come across in this conversation is obviously your expertise, your background, your experience, but also I think your 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 passion for the collaboration point is what comes out for me is that you know digital is no longer just a discipline that of one team that sits in you know the back end of the office. It's a team that can help every function within a, a charity or a business to 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 do more good. Yeah, definitely. Summed it up. Good. I think so. Should we hit him with the big, the big three? Oh, hit him with the big three. On. Oh, on the he's seen these ones. He's seen these ones. But he's written down answers. Uh, for has them. he written down yeah, answers? Can't see. I have there. notes. Go on then. If you could place an ad across, should we change it up? Snapchat. Path. <laughs> <laughs> if you could put, path, you could put uh, yeah, I'll call it path. I'm from the north. You call it path. Never path. You've never heard of it. Check it out. Uh, if you could place an ad across Facebook, Joe, across the world for one day, what would it say and why? Path. It's a really <laughs> difficult question. I've never really thought about it. Apart from uh, give me a job would be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that I can reflect in this a lot of pressure on people in charities these days. So something around mm. just be kind to yourself. Mm. Maybe just yeah. a nice, light-hearted, inspirational quote of some sort of, yeah, be kind to yourself. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do more and be better. And yeah. kind of having taken some time to reflect on what's important to me recently, I think... Yeah, just taking time for yourself is for me is important. Something mm. along those lines. You know, we're going to picture turn of a sunset, light inspirational quote into a gif of light yeah, inspirational quote. I'm going to regret yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, if there's one piece of advice that somebody has given you in in at any point during your career, what might that be? 
one so I've had I've had some coaching recently and um, it's been great so there was a lot around reflecting on how instrumental work should be in your life but also learn to forgive yourself so I think that for me has been really important so I've always strived to deliver and felt a lot of pressure myself to be the best that I can be and um, and when things don't quite go to plan I found I can find that really hard so I think some advice that I've had through coaching is to learn to forgive yourself is something that's had a big impact on me over the last sort of five or six months Gen- generally, we record these on a Tuesday night, so I generally have to forgive ourselves every Wednesday morning. <laughs> so that, that makes, <laughs> makes sense. And so, and there's a podcast that obviously focuses around people doing more good. What is that one story, that one tweet, that one case study, that one social media post or, or inspiring individual that you've come across in your career, Joe, that has done something good for others? I think it's the people who tell their stories for charities are the for me the most inspiring thing so you can write your tweets or your facebook posts or your webpage your blogs or whatever but often without that real life story of someone yeah. who is who your charity is supporting what's the point so people who are case studies for charities who are willing to kind of put themselves out there be the face of your campaign or tell you tell a story about why they're running the marathon they make us look good i think and they're making our jobs a lot easier so for me the people are always the most impressive thing Love it. Yeah. No, love it. That's amazing. That's brilliant. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. I can't believe James bought us a beer to start with. I mean, this is the first time for everything. Six beers I bought. We'll carry on after I put these microphones down. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you? People can find me on the Twitter, um, at Joseph Freeman. And then you can probably stalk me on LinkedIn. I think my... 35 followers uh, will probably <laughs> two more than James two more than James <laughs> yes um, yeah there you go alright nice one thank you very much Jay. thank we'll you wrap it absolute there. pleasure cheers cheers guys so James just wrapped up another fantastic episode if I don't say so myself how did you find it it's alright wasn't it <laughs> if anyone wants to kind of follow up and actually enjoy this thing where can they find us well we're on Twitter Kenneth at do more good pod Instagram at do more good pod have we gone multi-channel and even gone to YouTube we have but you can find all those videos on the website do more good.uk and if you want to contact us by email please use contact at do more good.uk 